Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. Good evening. We begin tonight with breaking news on the president. Like so much breaking news on this president, it's like nothing you've seen before in any president. New reporting tonight in The Washington Post on President Trump's phone call today with Vladimir Putin in the wake of his re-election as Russia's president in a vote that's widely believed to have been something of a sham. The same Vladimir Putin who interfered in our election, as it is before all important phone calls, especially with the leader of another nuclear superpower, the president is carefully briefed. This time, according to The Washington Post, the president's briefing material contained a three-word warning on the election. The words, all in capital letters, do not congratulate, meaning do not congratulate Vladimir Putin on winning the election. And then the president went ahead and did just that. Joining us now by phone, one of three Post reporters who got the scoop, Josh Dawsey. So, Josh, tell us more about the, the briefing materials, what was on them, and what the president ignored. Thanks for having me, Anderson. So, before a call with any foreign leader, the president is extensively briefed, both uh, by his national security team uh, in person and in written papers that are given to the president. What we reported tonight was that there were two parts of his written briefing that the president ignored in his call with Vladimir Putin. One of them was a part that said, in caps, do not congratulate uh, Vladimir Putin on winning uh, re-election. Obviously, uh, many people believe that the election uh, is a sham that sticks and he's going to win it regardless. Uh, The second part was to condemn Vladimir Putin for an attack in London uh, of an ex-spy who was killed with a nerve agent. Uh, The president did not uh, condemn Vladimir Putin uh, as that part of the call. Uh, as part of the briefing encouraged that he did. Instead, he talked about Syria and North Korea, uh, which were also topics that were supposed to be discussed on the call or provided in the briefing. Uh, he did mention those two parts uh, with Vladimir Putin, but he ignored the other two uh, that the national security team uh, put in these briefings to go ahead of the call. How unusual? I mean, obviously, it's up to any president to discuss what they want to discuss. How unusual is it for a president, uh, or I don't know if you know this, for a president to ignore? You know, two things of advice, particularly one that's in all caps, saying do not congratulate uh, this man on a sham election. Well, I think we're in unparalleled territory here with uh, President Trump, Anderson. Uh, You know, whether you like him or dislike him, uh, we've seen time and time again, uh, the president keeps his own counsel. He does uh, what he wants to do. He says what he wants to say. He has congratulated uh, China's president uh, for extending uh, his term as president for life. And uh, Turkey's president, Erdogan, for uh, his election win, which also uh, was der- derided by many uh, in the national security community. Uh, this president, when he makes these phone calls, uh, he is going to say what he wants to say. And to the president's credit, we reported this tonight in the story, Anderson, uh, when H.R. McMaster, his national security advisor, briefed him orally this morning ahead of the call, he did not mention uh, 
you know, not congratulating Vladimir Putin, nor did he mention uh, the attack uh, over overseas, we were told. So uh, it's possible that the president could have been given these briefing materials, simply didn't read it, and decided kind of to go with his own way, or it's possible uh, he did read it, decided to do it his own way. So you don't know for a fact whether or not the president actually looked at the briefing materials? We know the president was given the briefing materials ahead of a call, ahead of every call. He's given uh, extensively what uh, we should convey in this call, what we want to convey, uh, and top on big font, uh, all caps, do not congratulate, was one of the prominent parts uh, of the briefing that was given to the president. The, the recent reporting that the president is feeling more comfortable in the job, relying more on his own instincts rather than on the advice from those around him, it, it's possible that that also played a role in this. I think so, Anderson, but I would just say the president, uh, for the most part over the past 14 months, has done essentially uh, what he wanted. I guess on, on certain occasions his advisors have been able to temper him, for example, pulling out of NAFTA or firing Bob Mueller uh, earlier this year. But on many cases, uh, pulling out of the Paris Accord, moving the Jerusalem, capital of Jerusalem, uh, eventually firing James Comey. Uh, the president has disregarded advice from his team and said that he knew best. And I think this is another case, Anderson, where he is a duly elected president. Uh, he won the election, and he's going to do it his way, uh, no matter what the people around him say. Uh, Josh Dossie from The Washington Post. Appreciate it, Josh. Thanks very much. We're going to have more on that story with David Axelrod and David Gergen a little bit later in the broadcast. But we want to turn now to important developments in the stories of three women who've alleged connections to the president in the past. The former Playboy playmate, Karen McDougal, squaring off in court against the tabloid media company that bought her story and then spiked it. She joins us exclusively Thursday night. The adult film star Stormy Daniels, whose attorney today released the results of a polygraph exam she took. Her attorney, Michael Avenatti, joins us to talk about this uh, as well. There's also Summer Zervos, who was on The Apprentice and who's accusing the president of sexual assault. Today, a judge in New York allowed her defamation lawsuit to go forward. We'll talk with Stormy Daniels' attorney, Michael Avenatti, in a moment, along with attorney David Schwartz, who has represented the president's attorney, Michael Cohen, in another legal matter. They're both here with me. But first, Randy Kay has the developments that broke today regarding Summer Zervos and Karen McDougal. And he came to me and started kissing me open-mouthed as he was pulling me towards him. That's Summer Zervos, a former contestant on The Apprentice. You know what, Summer? You're fired claiming Donald Trump groped and sexually assaulted her. She filed a defamation suit against Trump a year ago, long after they met at the Beverly Hills Hotel back in 2007. There, she alleges in court papers that he said, let's lay down and watch some telly-telly. He put me in an, embrace, in an embrace, and I tried to push him away. I pushed his chest to put space between us, and I said, come on, man, get real. He repeated my words back to me get real, as he began thrusting his genitals. Trump denies the affair, posting about it, I never met her at a hotel or greeted her inappropriately a decade ago. Trump's lawyers, meanwhile, have been working to stop the case from going to trial, calling it factually meritless. But just today, a New York state judge ruled the case can go forward. Zervos's complaint says she has details from phone calls and meetings with Trump. Despite that, Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, who has admitted to paying hush money to porn star Stormy Daniels about her alleged affair with Trump, has called Zervos's case baseless. Adding to Trump's troubles, this former Playboy model. Back in 2016, Karen McDougal signed a deal with American Media Incorporated, which owns the National Enquirer. 
McDougall says she accepted a $150,000 agreement to remain silent about her alleged affair with Donald Trump in 2006 and 2007. Like porn star Stormy Daniels, McDougall says she was paid to keep silent during the presidential race. But today, McDougall filed a lawsuit against American media for the right to go public. This after learning American media's CEO, David Pecker, is a close friend of Donald Trump's and, according to court documents, regularly takes part in so-called catch-and-kill arrangements, killing the story before it can damage Trump publicly. The president denies the affair, but McDougal says she met Trump at a party at the Playboy Mansion. New Yorker magazine reported the two met later, talked for a couple hours, then got naked and had sex. McDougal, a former Playmate of the Year, claims that she's been threatened with financial ruin if she doesn't remain, quote, loyal. But a spokesperson for American media says they didn't silence her, but instead bought the rights to her life story. And it doesn't end there. McDougal alleges in court that her own lawyer was working in cahoots with that same Trump lawyer, Michael Cohen. Back in August 2016, soon after she signed the agreement to keep quiet, she claims in court papers that her lawyer told Cohen by phone that the deal was done and Ms. McDougal had been silenced. Randy Kay, CNN, New York. Well, Michael Cohen, of course, has a standing invitation to come on the broadcast. So far, he's yet to accept. Joining us now, his attorney in another legal matter and friend, David Schwartz, with us as well as Michael Avenatti, who, as you know, represents Stormy Daniels and who, again, released this picture of his client taking a polygraph test, which was back in 2011. According to the report he released from that polygraph test, Stormy Daniels was, and I'm quoting here, truthful about having unprotected vaginal intercourse with Donald Trump in July of 2006. That's a quote, I guess, from the polygrapher. One reminder about uh, the polygraphs are not generally admissible, of course, in court. Michael, uh, why release this information about the polygraph? Because, as you said, it's, as I said, it's not admissible in court. So does it help your legal case, actually? Well, I don't know that it helps our legal case, but we want the public to have as many facts as possible at their disposal. Our position, Anderson, has been consistent for weeks now. Uh, we want the public to know the facts, to know my client's story, to the extent that Mr. Cohen or the president have an alternative narrative that they wish to provide, they should provide it. You know, I'll, I'll note that while lie detector tests are not admissible in most courts of law, uh, I believe the attorney general has most recently uh, argued for the use as it relates to leaks from the White House. Uh, I know they're used throughout law enforcement, federal law enforcement, for various purposes at various times. My client took this polygraph test in May of 2011, May 19th, 2011. She was asked specific questions. She passed with flying colors as the polygraph report that we produced shows. So we're going to let the uh, American public take this piece of evidence together with your interview with her this Sunday on 60 Minutes. They're going to determine whether she's telling the truth, whether she's credible. And I'm confident that after they view that interview and after they view this evidence, they are going to conclude that what they've been told by Mr. Cohen and the denials, if you can call them denials, from the White House are simply baseless and false. Uh, so, David... Michael Cohen has claimed that he paid this $130,000 in hush money out of his own pocket from a home equity line of credit. He did it. No, had nothing to do with the Trump organization, right. nothing to do uh, with Donald Trump personally or, or the, uh, the, the White House. 
I mean, does any attorney ever well, pay $130,000 out of their own pocket? First of all, we keep labeling it as hush money. It's pursuant to a non-disclosure agreement. These non-disclosure agreements are entered into every single day in, in America. It's, they're entered into by politicians. But it's money to remain CEOs. silent. So, but they, but it's it's money to not disclose the substance of the case. Okay. And and so, one hundred thirty thousand dollars was paid. It was pursuant to a contract. But to answer your question, um, is is that normal course of business for an attorney to pay it? No. But there's nothing illegal about it. And it, given the context of this relationship, there's certainly nothing unethical about it. And remember, Michael Cohen was representing. EC LLC. It was EC LLC that entered into this contract. Donald Trump was a third-party beneficiary. Does that make sense to you? Uh, it, it, it doesn't. Donald Trump was not a third-party beneficiary under the law of California. He was a signatory to the agreement. What Mr. Cohen has said is as follows, that he negotiated this on his own, that he undertook all of this effort, and that at no point in time did his close friend and client Donald Trump know anything about it. He didn't know about the negotiation, he didn't know about the agreement, and he didn't, he didn't know about the payment. I have a very simple question, Anderson. If all of that is believable, then why did Mr. Cohen draft an agreement with a signature line for Donald Trump? Very if, Donald, if Donald Trump was never going to be a party to the agreement, and if he didn't want to bother Donald Trump with the agreement, and if Donald Trump was too busy campaigning for president to know anything about the agreement, and Mr. Cohen was going to do this on his own and wasn't going to bother Mr. Trump, then why take the effort to draft the agreement to make Donald Trump a signatory to the agreement? David, makes, there is well, a, well, that, that's painting a fictional picture of the whole scenario. There's an or there. So it could be ECLLC. Right, but why have any line for Donald because, Trump? Because they left it open. They left it open for either or. But the bottom line is ECLLC entered into the contract. It's but, a no, real But he's it's saying if Donald contract. Trump had nothing to do with this, why have a he line for He has everything to do with it. He was a third-party beneficiary. You're just not acknowledging that fact that he's a third-party beneficiary to this contract he doesn't have to be a party to the contract to benefit from the contract but he certainly can enforce the contract like a third-party beneficiary can and this is a contract and you are advising your client to blatantly violate a contract and you know what? She's liable for $20 million. And this is an airtight contract, an airtight contract, $1 million per violation. And it's not just the disclosure. Where do you get the $20 million figure? Is because it, there are were, you, well, if you read, if you are read, you talking about her appearances on the Make America Horny tour? No, well, no, no, it's, 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 there are 20 different, there are 20 different violations. And you could see it because in the contract, as it was artfully crafted, it's even the threat of a violation. It's even the threat of disclosure is a violation under the contract. So, so she's going to be liable for $20 million, and Michael Cohen is going to collect every single penny of that money. Make no mistake. Michael? He's, going to, he's going to collect everything. Anderson, why isn't your name on the contract? Why isn't my name on the contract? Why isn't his name on the contract? If, if Mr. Cohen's to be believed... All of our names should be on the contract. The fact of the matter is the story does not hold up. And Section 8.6 of the agreement specifically required all parties to sign the agreement. And or. All, I didn't interrupt you. Or. I didn't interrupt you during your bombastic comments. Please let me finish. 8.6 of the agreement provides that all parties are to sign the agreement. All parties did not sign the agreement. Here's another reason why this argument is full of holes. 
There are specific provisions in the agreement, consideration, that only Donald Trump could provide. It's not just about the $130,000. What do you mean specific consideration? If you look at the agreement, in exchange for what my client was to provide, she was to receive $130,000 plus other things. What do I mean by that? Donald Trump was to release her of potential claims that he might have against her. Donald Trump was to agree to stay away from her and her family. Donald Trump was to do all sorts of things laid out in that agreement. Now, Mr. Cohen, if he was only representing ECLLC, as the claim has been made, how could he release or how could he provide that consideration, those terms that my client bargained how for? Can it Mike, how can it's Michael, an absurd view of contract But how law. can Michael there, Cohen promise that Donald Trump would follow because through Because the consideration things? here is the non-disclosure of whatever she's about to disclose uh, in exchange for $130,000. But he's saying there's it's more than $130,000. There's consideration. There's two parties to the contract. Both parties sign the contract. And, and, um, but how can Michael air- Cohen promise that Donald Trump is not going to go near her family or Donald Trump is going to release her from other things if Donald Trump is not a because, signatory? Because those portions are irrelevant to the consideration at hand. It's so why are they in the contract? It's, it's 130000 I don't even know where he's reading that in the contract, but, but I, I didn't see that in the contract. But the bottom line is there's consideration, there's a contract, and there is a massive breach of this contract. And, you know, when this case is all said and done, you know, she's going to be liable for $20 million. But again, million I don't get the 20, millions of dollars. I, I, I know it's a million dollars well, per what, breach. Well, $10 million. Who knows how many millions of dollars? Well, no, but you guys this. have been saying 20 I'm just, well, I was trying to figure out where does that 20 figure come from? I, I just, I've been going by what, what they've been saying. So, but the 20 is easy because there are easily 20 different violations when it's the threat. It's the threat of disclosure of the material. And, and, and uh, she will have to pay this back one day. Why, why not just let her talk? I don't, I don't understand. Why? Let me, because let me they finish. signed an agreement. No, but let me finish. Why is it so important? Why is it so important to your friend and the president of the United States to keep this woman under wraps, to keep her under the thumb, to shut her up? Right. Why is it so important? You know, well, I, I can tell you, I can no, tell let you me why finish. it's let important. Let me finish. Let I me can, finish. I can tell you. Why, why is that so important? Well, let's answer why that not, question first. Why not let her well, come forward? Let me answer forward. your question. It's why important. not let her come It's important forward. to every why, single why person that enters into a non-disclosure agreement. People do this. People do this in order to avoid litigation and avoid the embarrassment to family, to business, to reputation. That's why people enter into these. You know why people enter into these contracts. They're entered into all the time. TV personalities have entered into these contracts. By the way, state legislators enter into these contracts. And you know who pays the money? The taxpayers pay the money right, on t- those. We're going to take a break. We're going to continue the conversation. Also ahead tonight, more on the uh, president's phone call with Vladimir Putin, how the White House tried to defend it. We're keeping him honest on that aspect ahead. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenny today at zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. 
Well, tonight, the gathering storm has many fronts. A legal victory for one of the multiple women who have accused the president of sexual assault, a ruling that her defamation case can move forward. A former Playboy model wants to speak out about her alleged months-long affair with the president. And a lie detector test for the adult film star who also says she had sex with the president back when he was, in her words, just a goofy reality TV star. That, of course, is Stormy Daniels, the client of Michael Avenatti, who's back with us, along with Trump lawyer Michael, uh, uh, Michael Cohen's attorney and friend David Schwartz. So, uh, so Michael, you mentioned this Section 8.6 that says the agreement has to be signed by all parties to be enforceable. David points to this clause uh, right before the, the line on the NDA in which the uh, pseudonym for Donald Trump is used, and it, it says and or, meaning this, what I guess from, from your interpretation, meaning not only does Stormy Daniels have to sign it, her pseudonym, Michael Cohen, but and or Donald Trump, and that line is not signed. And or would seem to indicate either he can sign it or not. And or is a term of art, uh, Anderson, under California law, and it's actually in the conjunctive. It's in the plural. And even if it wasn't, if the intent was to actually allow for the or, then Mr. Cohen reversed it. It should have, the, the EC should have been second, not first. That's the, actually the proper interpretation in the English language. But I want to go back to this argument. Because in a nutshell, here's the argument. Their argument is a deal is a deal. That's the argument. A deal is only a deal if there was initially a deal. And our position is there was initially no deal. Let me give you an analogy. This is like one of your viewers goes out and they buy a four-bedroom home. And they pay a significant amount of money for that home. They show up to move in, and the people that sold them the home say, you're only getting one of the four bedrooms, but we have a deal because you're getting one of the four bedrooms. That's this argument. Because, because they paid $130,000, and because my client got $130,000, they say a deal is a deal. She didn't get all the consideration, Anderson. She didn't get bedroom two, three, or four in the deal. There was no deal. Well, tell and that to is, the judge. It is. Well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward. I mean, to, I'm looking forward to telling it to I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to telling it to Judge Otero. Okay. The the federal district court judge in Los Angeles. And let me tell you why. Because I have a little bit of experience before Judge Otero. And I'm also aware of a 2010-2011 case that he decided where the parties did not sign the agreement. Just like this, where you don't have Donald Trump sign the agreement. agreement. And I am highly confident that we're going to prevail as it relates to this. If it's going to take David. him that long to explain it to the judge, he's in big trouble. All right? You're going to, you're going to go down in flames on this case. There's no question about it. I love there's, it when, there's the defense, a con- I love it there's when my con- opponents tell I, me there's that. A contra- there's, a, there's, a, there's a contract here. The parties signed the contract. Stormy, or whatever her name is, signed it on your side. And ECLLC signed it on this side. And you know what? Even it, Let's forget about the end of the offers second. You cannot assert a right when you obtain a benefit. You waive that right. You waive all your rights. You, she obtained the benefit under the contract. She received the, the bargain that she bargained for. Did so Michael Cohen violate the non-disclosure agreement by publicly discussing it and saying that, in fa- confirming, in fact, that he had paid $130,000? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He, he didn't violate the because it was already it, it was or she had already violated the, well, the no it had, it had been leaked to the Wall Street Journal well, she had violated that she had violated the contract already how so, had she violated so, the contract so, because she leaked it I mean she she's the one that was out there leaking the information but how do you know she was leaking the information well I guess it's going to come out in court right w- so, why would she accept one hundred thirty thousand dollars 
in a non-disclosure agreement okay. uh, and, and, and then leak the information because, 15 months later. Because she's out for more money now. She sees a lot more money. However... You know, and you're, you're, so you're basically... You're, but you have no evidence she actually leaked that, the, the information. I, I have, I, I'm assuming she did. So, so... But well, you know what they say about she, people that are... Clear, clearly, clearly she was out there um, uh, breaking this non-disclosure agreement. And you know what's going to happen? She is going to... You know, you're, you're advising your client to break a contract. You're advising. So he puts in his papers how unethical Michael Cohen is, which I've never even seen in a complaint before. I don't know why you go through this whole ordeal. Because I meant it. But guess what? Because I meant it. Guess what? Because I meant it. You're the one that's committing malpractice. You're the one that's that's telling your client to to break a contract. And you know what? You're the one. So I hope you have a good malpractice policy. Because when she owes $20 million, she should go after you to collect the money. Anderson, you know the, the last time... An attorney pointed at me like this and made threats like this. I tagged him for $454 million. And this is going to be another okay. instance. And, and let me just ask this. Let me ask this. Okay? Please do. You're a very passionate guy, okay, on behalf of your friend, Michael Cohen. My client. Okay, your, your client, Michael yeah. Cohen. Yeah. So let me ask you this. If Michael Cohen is such a stand-up guy, huh. where is he? I, I, no, no, no. Where is this guy? Why won't he come oh, and he'll, sit? Oh, he'll no, come. why won't he come he'll, and sit because in this obviously, chair? Wait a minute, let me finish. There's let me other. Finish. I'll, I'll, no, 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 I want to answer that no, question. Let me finish. You get he's been invited numerous no, no, times. Oh, no, okay. He won't come on the right. show. So he, he's dodging the question. He is not dodging, he's dodging the question. He's dodging the question. He, he has to hide behind other, you. Where is this guy? There are other investigations going on. I knew there was some sort of problem. No, but where is this guy? I was wondering what was in that brown envelope. Where is he? He's going to come out. He can't wait. Believe me, he can't wait to come here and sit with you and talk about this case. Can't wait. He can give an interview. Bottom, bottom, air, bottom, can't come bottom on this line show. is, let me, let me this ask, is an airtight okay, let me ask, contract. Michael Cohen, in an interview in Vanity Fair now, he did talk to Vanity Fair, it doesn't come in this program, but he did talk to Vanity Fair, said that he would have done this at any time, that, that this had nothing to do with the election, because this thing was signed, what, 10 days, oh, maybe yeah. two weeks right before, before the election, right? The Access Hollywood tape right. had come out, there was all the, all the sajida about it. Uh, Michael Cohen said it had nothing to do with the timing, it had nothing to do with the election. He would, Michael, this... If Michael Cohen had years to make an agreement with Stormy Daniels, I mean, 2011, there was a In Touch magazine article that, that got killed. Uh, if Michael Cohen had felt the need to make a non-disclosure agreement with Stormy Daniels, he had 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16. Why, do you, I mean, why should anyone because, honestly because believe this, this had when, nothing because, to do with the election? Because this is when she came out and threatened to, to disclose this information. The deal was made... It, it had everything to do with reputation, with family, with business reputation. Nothing to do with the election. All, all of those items, why a person would enter into a non-disclosure agreement. It's just a coincidence agreement. that this was some two weeks before well, the election. Well, but, that, but coincidence isn't the standard of law. They, there has to be proof. There has to be proof that it was done because of an election. And clearly it was being done to, to save the person's reputation so they don't have to go through litigation and to protect their family. Michael, did this have anything to do with the election? Absolutely. It had everything to do with the election. There's no question about it. You have to look at the timing. I mean, it, it is obvious as it is clear as day. And, and we keep hearing about how airtight this agreement is. Yep. It's one of the sloppiest oh. drafted NDAs. It includes superfluous language. It's got language in there about paternities, paternity issues. If this is so carefully drafted by Mr. Cohen, 
we've stated unequivocally there are no paternity issues. If this is so carefully drafted by his client, why include language about paternity issues? If it's so carefully drafted, this agreement is supposedly so airtight. I hope the next time I get a, on a commercial plane, it's a little more airtight right. than this, because otherwise it's, it's going to fall out of the sky. I mean, the, the viewers aren't seeing the agreement. This is an airtight agreement. It's an excellent agreement. Right, Lawyers have reviewed this. Let's take another quick break. We'll have more of this conversation in just a moment. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. Back now with Stormy Daniels' attorney, Michael Avenatti, and Trump lawyer, Michael Cohen's attorney and friend, David uh, Schwartz. So, David, as we talked about, one of the things that Michael Cohen has said repeatedly is, again, I did this personally, out of loyalty to my friend, I would do anything for him, nothing to do with Trump organization, nothing to do with the campaign. Um, Michael has produced uh, a, a number of documents uh, that, you know, uh, a bank notice sent to Michael Cohen at his Trump organization email address, which he then cut and paste onto his private email address uh, to then uh, send an email right. to then attorney for Stormy Daniels, uh, other documentation and the hiring of a Trump organization attorney to take part and set up, help set up this arbitration in Los Angeles. Well, well OK, the Trump attorney, that's after the fact. So that, that's not during the, the same. Right, but that's what's that... even weirder to me is that after two weeks after the fact of Michael Cohen making a statement saying right. nothing to do with the Trump organization, he hires a Trump yeah, organization that's, attorney. That's after the fact. All right, so maybe they could have picked a better attorney. I mean, who, who knows? I think that's irrelevant. Getting to the emails, you know, I was actually looking at all my Michael Cohen emails from way back when he was at the Trump organization. Save you those. Know, you know, you know, save those. You know, you know, okay, yeah, I'll save those. Yeah, you know, he, Mueller, he, he actually, may, Mueller he actually, may want them. Yeah, maybe. He actually made dinner plans with uh, with his wife, my wife, and me on that same Trump email. He used that for everything. He used it for everything. And let Mueller speak for himself. If well, he wants it, he's more than welcome well, to my email. save him, because I may want him. Uh, yeah. Michael, to you, what is the significance of him using his Trump email? Because in, in one of the documents you, you showed in this broadcast, it seemed like he cut and pasted his no, the note from the bank to his Trump organization email to then a private email address. Which there'd be no need to do that if, in fact, it was his common uh, practice to use his Trump organization email. That, that explanation doesn't make any sense. Anderson, there's a common pattern here. And the common pattern we see is as follows. When it's convenient for the president and Mr. Cohen to point to different entities and claim that they are separate, i.e. ECLLC and the Trump organization... They do so. However, when it's convenient for them to claim otherwise, they claim just the opposite, that they're one and the same. And I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. The temporary restraining order that Mr. Cohen went out and uh, received got from from the arbitrator. Well, I I disagree, but that's neither here nor there. It's valid. That's neither here nor there. It's in the name ECLLC. We can agree on that, right? Yeah. Okay. ECLLC, pursuant to the agreement, wasn't even permitted to go out and get a temporary restraining order. You know the party that was... But they got it. You know the party that was permitted to go out and get the temporary restraining order? Donald Trump. Yeah, they got it. Somehow the arbitrator disagrees with you. No, no, the arbitrator didn't disagree with us because it was was a unilateral act. The arbitrator had no contrary... It's like playing a football game and the other team doesn't even show up. When it fits into his narrative, it's fine. And then you claim victory. The the arbitrator... the, the, did, did the, the agreement, see, see when no, it the arbitrator narrative, this agreement is horrible, the arbitrator is horrible, when the judge rules against them, he's going to be horrible. When it, when it doesn't go into your narrative, everybody's horrible. Let's w- just, was let, Stormy Daniels contacted about this arbitration? In fact, if it's not a, if it's not a con- why do you even go through the trouble of bringing this By the way, are you why, licensed in California? What, 
Why don't, why are don't you licensed in California? Absolutely not. Okay. Why don't, why don't, why don't you go Wait a minute. You're not licensed in California? Th- why don't you go through... Why did you go through the trouble of Wait following this? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to make sure that I understood this correctly. I, I, I want to make sure I understood this correctly. This contract... Right. Is going to be governed by California law. Yeah, I read law. California law. Right. I'm allowed no, to talk you're about. You're not it. licensed in California, yeah, right. and you're here opining absolutely. and pointing your Abs- finger Abs- and engaging in all this bombastic nonsense. Bombastic. And you're, and you're not even licensed. The only thing that's bombastic is, what, this, is, is, is this complaint talking about another lawyer's ethics. It had nothing. I'm to do. shocked. I it thought had, you were licensed. It had, it had nothing to do. No, I'm licensed in Washington and New York. Okay, well, that's we're not. not this this contract's not being governed by Washington. Yeah, but I read California law. All of it. Yeah, all. That's impressive. Everything. I read everything. Sure yes. Yeah. So you, but but in an arbitration. I mean, again, I'm not a attorney here. He lost the arbitration. But, it, but, but we didn't lose. We, did, we weren't does, invited to the party. Does yeah. Stormy Daniels need to be contacted? That there's this arbitration. I mean, doesn't do, do, does she have a right to to have representation at well, an arbitration? Well, she's she's, she's she's absolutely. She's in court right now. So let's see what happens in court. You know, why if it if the contract was invalid. Why do you even file this in the first place? Why not just break? Why not just go out and speak? Wait if it's an right, invalid so Michael, contract, that. Wait, wait, why why'd you wait, file this? Wait a minute. You just claimed that we lost the arbitration. We weren't even invited no, 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 to I the party. You, why no, did we you, weren't okay, even invited fine, to you the, party. the arbitration? Why'd you file why you file this complaint? Because we want a judicial determination that this agreement is trash, which it is. All right, we, we're going to yeah. end it there. Uh, appreciate it, both representing your clients well. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Up next, more breaking news. A new explosion in Austin, Texas. We're talking about just moments ago. This comes just hours after two more explosive devices were found. One of those exploded, injuring a FedEx employee. Uh, the latest from the scene in a moment. I'm Andy Katz from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved, and uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We have more breaking news. Police responding to reports, and these are only reports of a new bomb blast in Austin, Texas. I want to underscore that. Going to break, we neglected to emphasize the fact that the information right now is incomplete. And as you know, in many uh, cases, the early reports uh, sometimes turn out to be inaccurate in whole or in part. So that is a, a warning on this. But we're getting the word. This comes, of course, after an explosion at a FedEx facility, which was early this morning near San Antonio, where an employee was injured, and another package with the device was found today at a second FedEx location. Now, with this new explosion reported in Austin just moments ago, we could have seven devices possibly connected to the serial bomber. CNN's Ed Lavendera joins us now from Austin. So, Ed, uh, talk about what we know, again, with the caveat that these are very early reports. Right. This is uh, just now developing here in the last few minutes. Austin police uh, say they are responding to a report of a sixth explosion in the southern area of Austin tonight. FBI officials also confirmed that they are en route to that scene as well. Here's a, it's on a street called Brody Lane. Significant because much of the day investigators have spent uh, at a FedEx drop-off facility just a few miles up the road on that same road on Brody Lane where they suspect that several packages were dropped off and delivered to a distribution center, one of them to the one that you see here behind me. 
So where these, where this latest explosion happened tonight, very close to where investigators have spent much of the day, and also on top of that, very close uh, geographically here in the city to where the explosion occurred on Sunday night that injured those two young uh, college-age males in, in their early 20s as well. So uh, all of that quickly developing here uh, tonight, and obviously a great sense of urgency. It has been a frantic day of developments here in Austin today, Anderson. Yeah, and you are at the, the FedEx drop-off point where the unexploded bomb package was, was found today. I'm wondering what officials are saying about this item, because I talked to the uh, chief of police in Austin last night on the broadcast who said that uh, as her, his understanding, and the ATF is obviously uh, looking into the bomb components as are the FBI, but there's some of the components uh, in, the early, in, in the devices as of that point, the, the tripwire device... Actually, let's, we're getting just getting pictures uh, of the site of what uh, may be this new explosion. These are just pictures we are getting in um, from our affiliate there uh, in, in Austin, uh, KXAN. And you can see uh, first responders are on the scene. They already have the, uh, the area cordoned off. Now, Ed, you're saying uh, this is this was uh, on Brody Lane. You're saying this is not too far from the FedEx facility? Well, let, let, me, let me paint the picture here for you. There, there's, there were two packages uh, with the explosive devices found here in Austin and one near uh, in a town called Shirts, which is a, a suburb of northern San Antonio. That package in, in Shirts, San Antonio, exploded. The one that was discovered here at the scene behind me did not detonate. Uh, they were able to dismantle it here before it detonated. Um, but what we're told by investigators is that they also spent a great deal of time today at a drop-off location. This was a distribution. The two facilities where the packages were found were at distribution facilities. There was a drop-off location on Brody Lane where we know investigators spent a great deal of the day because that's where they believe that the suspects that were fed, the packages that were found here at this location in, in southeast Austin near the airport and the one in Shirts, they believe that's where those packages originated from. That's where they were mailed from, which is just a few miles away on the same road where the explosion has taken place here tonight. And we're also told by EMS officials uh, that there is a 30, uh, a male of about 30 years old who has been injured uh, in the explosion tonight. Uh, not expected to be life-threatening is what we're getting at this point, but obviously all of this could change very quickly. Eric. And Ed, just very briefly, the first uh, three were, uh, were, uh, were bombs uh, that detonated on porches that people picked up. They were packages left on porches. The one on Sunday that injured two people, that was a tripwire. And obviously uh, these, uh, these, these FedEx ones uh, are, are another, sort of, uh, uh, another sort of device or at least another way of, uh, of sending these devices. Right. What's interesting is that in those first three uh, explosions, uh, we were told that those boxes, just the, the sheer move, the movement, opening them is what caused the, the, uh, the, the mechanism to, to explode. Obviously, if these are being dropped off and then transported to uh, distribution facilities, the question is, and this is where investigators have not shed a lot of information for investigative reasons, we're told, uh, is what exactly is triggering these other packages that are being moved around to some extent uh, to, to trigger. Um, and it's not exactly clear where these uh, the tonight's explosion in the package that was involved there what exactly that location is where it was found who found it and that sort of thing those are the, the details that just still hasn't haven't emerged uh, yet because this is essentially happening here as, as we're talking it's happened in the last 10 or 15 minutes and Ed if you can stay with us that'd be great uh, joining me now also is a uh, senior a senior law enforcement analyst Tom Fuentes uh, formerly uh, with the uh, the FBI uh, Tom I mean this is obviously a terrifying situation for for people in Austin incredibly difficult situation for, for law enforcement. Um, 
the idea that that they have been spending time at a drop-off facility, um, that at least if they actually have packages that they were able to uh, to get back, that gives them potential clues, as does potentially going to that drop-off facility where somebody may have been identified. No, that's true, Anderson. And the more devices, uh, unfortunately, it's been bad that there's so many devices, but it also gives them that many more clues to uh, try to put this together. Now, the authorities probably know now for sure whether or not it, the, the materials are the same, the explosive uh, chemical content of the bombs are the same in each one of these cases, even though the detonation has been different uh, with a couple of different devices, such as the uh, you know, pressure switches versus tripwire. Right. Last night, but, the, the chief of police in Austin was saying, so, to me, he was saying that some of the components of these devices are the same. Right. So, and the fact that just this much speed of the devices and the locality of being in the, that part of Texas, as opposed to, you know, a month goes by and then you have a similar type uh, device mailed through a distribution center or a drop-off center. Uh, but one advantage the, the authorities should have is there should be a lot of security camera coverage of these facilities that might give them some leads as to who is uh, bringing these devices to the facilities, who's dropping them off, or what a description of a person dropping them off. And I think that, you know, as this goes further, uh, hopefully there'll be more leads or there'll be tips that come in. They've received already thousands of calls, but tips that might be valid of someone thinking that it could be somebody they know, a neighbor, a relative, a friend, who may have told someone at some time that they intended to do this or have the capability to do some, uh, this type of bombing. You know, it's interesting, Tom, uh, and again, to our viewers, uh, you're looking at uh, scenes, uh, uh, these are live pictures from the scene uh, from our affiliate KXAM uh, 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 that is believed to be a new explosion in Austin. Again, these are early reports, uh, has not yet been confirmed that it was, in fact, a bombing, uh, but obviously we want to uh, bring, you know, just caution you uh, with these uh, these early reports. The, the police, though, Tom, have actually made a public appeal for whoever is behind this to actually contact them and begins, begin some sort of a dialogue? Well, I think, you know, that that's a good possibility because the person doing this is probably extremely narcissistic, is enjoying the attention, uh, even if their identity hasn't been revealed yet, and may enjoy wanting to play a cat and mouse game like that with the law enforcement authorities. And, you know, you've seen that with other uh, type of serial killers, uh, you know, in history where they've sent letters to the police and taunted the police. You have the Unabomber sending his manifesto, which ultimately was his undoing for being caught. So, yeah, it is a possibility that uh, that someone may want to contact the police now and make some kind of a, you know, bragging type statement of, look, you can't catch me. That's how great I am. Hmm. Uh, Tom, stick around. Uh, we're going to take a short break. Our coverage continues of this uh, report of a new explosion in Austin. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes analyst Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48. For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of, like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And, of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Uh, if you're just joining us, we have breaking news out of Austin, Texas. And again, these are early reports, haven't been confirmed, but it was believed to be a new explosion in Austin. As you can see, police are on the scene. These pictures are from a K -A -A KXAN, our, our, uh, our affiliate there. Uh, FBI also uh, said to be on the scene, as well as local law enforcement. Um, if, in fact, this is yet another um, in a string of... of uh, of devices, explosive devices. This would be the seventh. <clears throat> there were three earlier uh, left on uh, porches in people's homes. One, a tripwire uh, that uh, injured two people on Sunday. And then today, in two separate FedEx facilities, one in San Antonio uh, and one in Austin, two devices, uh, one in the San Antonio FedEx facility, actually did explode. Uh, the one in uh, a second device uh, did not explode. We're joined again by Tom Fuentes, also James uh, Galliano. James, the idea that they have, they have found a device that did not explode in this second FedEx facility today, I mean, that provides them with even more potential evidence in terms of possible fingerprints or parts or any kind of signature that might correspond to the signature of the other bombs. Two things are important in doing the bombing investigations. And, and the first part, to your point, Anderson, is, is the signature of the bomber. Now, bombs are made up of form components. They're usually made up of a power supply like a battery. They're made up of an initiator like a blasting cap. There's usually some type of explosive, obviously, maybe some, uh, some shrapnel like nails and okay. nuts and bolts, those type of things, and then a switch. People have been erroneously stating all day, Anderson, and I've been correcting them, that this is Unabomber 2.0. This is far worse. The Unabomber, which was the FBI's longest and costliest case, it lasted 17 years. Ted Kaczynski began mailing uh, bombs in 1978. He continued in 1995. He was arrested in 1996. 16 devices in 17 years. We now, if this link analysis can be confirmed, we now have seven devices in two weeks. This is a far greater investigation, far more important. I think the police caught a lucky break in finding some of these devices before they were exploded to try to figure out and conduct that link analysis. But this is a far more severe case. Why? This bomber is showing you his entire portfolio. Three of these devices were left on the east side of Austin. They were left on porches and dropped off. One was on the west side of Austin and comprised of a tripwire, which acted as the switch. Then you have some that are mailed to these, these facilities, these uh, FedEx facilities. He is showing you three different types of delivery systems, three different types of victim-activated bombs. And I could see it on law enforcement's faces today. They are they are worried and concerned about this and trying to get out in front of this. You know, Tom Fuentes, it's interesting. I mean, back in the 1970s, there were significant numbers of bombings in the United States, uh, radical groups and the like. Um, it's not something we have really seen much uh, over the last several years. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's true. Uh, but many of those bombings, they were, many of them, directed at law enforcement. And I think that, you know, maybe people considered uh, law enforcement a a worthy target for some, uh, you know, people's beliefs. But, but in this case, when you put put these on, uh, you know, random porches or trip wires that anybody can literally detonate the bomb just going through, uh, it's more of a to whom it may concern or to anybody. And and then now with the going to distribution centers of FedEx or you know sending them by the mails, um, you know, it's going to be a much more difficult situation. In the Unabomber, one of the unique aspects, they kept thinking that bombs were being mailed from facilities near San Francisco. It turned out the Unabomber would get on a bus and go hundreds of miles, send it from that facility, and then go back to Montana to a shack. So, 
you know, but in this case, we had hand-delivered items on these porches. So, yeah. you know, it would indicate that the bomber is probably physically in the area of Austin, Texas. Yeah. Uh, Tom Fuentes, James Galliano, thank you very much. We're going to take a short break. We're going to get a lot more from Austin in just a moment. Again, police responding to a report of a possible new explosion. Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry. Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.